the path doesn't have to be straight. We have enough information that we can Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome to We Get Really Up. Vanessa and Sue talk tech. I'm Vanessa Alva. And I am Sue Robinson. Thank you to everybody joining us on Twitch and on YouTube. We're on all social platforms. You can find us with the handle at We Get Real AF. We would love for you to also follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're on all the major podcast directories. So we have a few exciting things to talk about, um, interesting things in the world of tech and science. So I'll start us off. Instagram is launching a feature called Limits. And basically what it does is it allows certain accounts, well, I, I suppose it, it helps more of the influencers and celebrities because they're the ones posting most often, but it allows accounts to hide comments that are offensive, uh, that are sexist, racist, homophobic, abusive, all the things. And these come from people that don't necessarily know the person directly. So they may follow these people, but they're not followed back. Anyway, I thought it was interesting and uh, a step in the right direction as far as trying to keep negativity off of social media. And, you know, I, I think especially Facebook owning Instagram and, and all the negativity that comes with Facebook sometimes with privacy, um, I think this is something that is, is good. And we talk about tech for good. Another thing that they're doing is rolling out a feature called hidden words, and it's an opt-in feature. So basically if there are certain words in your direct messages that come up, it's automatically going to go into a hidden folder. So you never see them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess this all speaks to the problem that especially celebrities and bigger influencers probably have with trolls, right? The trolls are the people who just are on there to, to knock other people down and Mm -hmm. to say negative things. And I totally get Instagram, the Facebook entity itself, wanting to keep its ecosystem positive and upbeat um, and remove hate speech and racism and sexism and all those things. Of course, the question also has to be raised is at what point does it become censorship? At what point are you putting too much control into whatever the algorithm is that is used to flag things? But it's just one of those slippery slopes topic. So um, interesting to see where it will go. I think that especially with children going onto these platforms, and if this can help even with bullying, where certain keywords, um, the messages Mm -hmm. or the comments don't even show up and it helps uplift children and, you know, make them better digital citizens. Like I'm all about it. I I really, and I, I get that there might be, again, to your point, censorship and maybe even privacy issues of like, oh, they're reading through the things that you're receiving, but they're probably doing that anyway. I like the positive vibe of this Mm -hmm. and we're both moms. So my head went to, you know what, if that helps stop bullying, it gotta be a win. Right. Well, and it'd be great if they introduce it on the platform that you brought up last week, which mm-hmm. will be their Instagram junior version, right? For for even younger kids. I mean, it is true that trolls are 
cowardly, hateful voices on the internet. I, I know like on the Clubhouse platform, which is an audio only platform, the way they control things like that, at least last time I was on it, which has been a few months and this may have changed, is you report it. And it was like a no tolerance policy. If anybody in the community reported somebody else as being a troll, then they were out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's so much ugliness out there. Something has to be done to try to, to mitigate it. And so let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What do you have? Yeah. So I wanted to follow up on something that I talked about in one of our recent recordings, which was this product that's in testing. It's a medical product. It's called a Centrode brain implant. It's produced by the company Synchron. It's a, it's a brain computer interface. And when we spoke about it last time, we were kind of trying to figure out, does this allow people to move an artificial limb? It's designed for people who are paralyzed. So through their thoughts, they can actually uh, move objects or make things happen. And it's just a really cool technology. So the way it works and I want to clarify, is it's a neuroprosthesis designed to convert thoughts associated with attempted movements into wireless Bluetooth commands, enabling communication with um, a carer or a loved one and improving people's daily functionality. And so it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to, at this point, move a prosthetic limb, but it is allowing people who are severely paralyzed to do things like online shop or text um, or communicate in ways that they weren't able to communicate before. And so I just think that that's really positive, speaking of tech for good. And you know, I'm sure at some point people will be able to move artificial limbs uh, through these kinds of electronic devices. And it's actually injected into your jugular vein, which sounds kind of ooky, but the alternative is to drill a hole in somebody's um, skull and do a brain implant that way. And that can cause scar tissue and things like that. So what's really cool about this device is it just goes through the vascular system and then it kind of fills up a, a space and it allows your thoughts to emit electrical impulses that are transmitted to a computer. So yay for tech for good. Definitely. It reminds me of virtual reality. I remember at one of these electronic shows, the ability to put a headset on and with your brain waves control uh, a robot, you know, that was like, you know, five, 10 feet away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is actually like happening. Like they're testing it and they're putting it into a human body, which again, fascinates me. Also is kind of scary. You know, we know where those things can lead, but I think again, to your point, Sue, if you're giving someone the ability to do something that they're not able to do, um, because of whatever, whether they're born that way or whether there's something in life that has caused them to be that way, I think that it's, it's a win. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's minimally invasive Mm -hmm. surgery as well, it's just really awesome. So I just wanted to make that clarification and again, you know, exciting developments in uh, med tech. Absolutely. Something super, super new. Zoom came out with a uh, focus mode in their uh, settings that's going to allow uh, teachers to um, prevent students from seeing each other, which sounds bad at first. But as we know, COVID has been really, really trying um, in education. Teachers had it really, really rough last year and God bless them. And I, I mean, I'm like a huge, huge advocate for all of our educators out there. And this allows them to actually focus on the curriculum and 
toggle back and forth, giving the students an ability to see each other when they want that engagement and open conversation, but when there is subject matter to cover or what they want to share their screen, instead of the kids playing with each other and making faces, they can now go into focus mode and um, allow the students to focus on what they're Want, wanting to teach. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's the teacher, I think, who is able to to control those modes. So exactly. the, I saw that article too, and, and they said it's based off sort of similar technology with webinar presentations, mm -hmm. where, you know, it's either the full screen with the teacher or the gallery view with all the kids. And since you're right, I think I think virtual education is going to be with us for a while in some exactly. form or fashion, um, making it so that people students and teachers can make the most use of that time is, is great. So exactly. It's, it's so, I mean, who would have thought, who would have thought two years ago that we'd be having these conversations? I know, you know, I mean, it, it's just really changed everything so much, but, um, but we're rolling with it. I know. So. And thank goodness we have the technology that enables mm -hmm. us to do that. And again, with the Delta variant out there and a lot of students have already gone back to school, we're seeing some clusters form and, you know, as much as they would like to be in person, we know that that's like the best thing for our kiddos, um, their health comes first. So if there happens to be a cluster and they have to go into a hybrid mode, hopefully this will help enable a, um, a smoother path to <laughs> virtual yeah. learning. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not like you can put little Johnny in the corner. <laughs> He's nope. disrupting the class and you're on <laughs> Zoom. So, <laughs> all righty. Well, speaking of kids and technology, this is pr a pretty interesting article that I found about the new software that Apple will be debuting soon. I believe it's going to be this fall that is going to allow Apple to access all your photos, upload it to the cloud, and it'll have the capability of, of scanning photos actually on your device, although they're not saying that's how it will be used initially. And the purpose behind that is to identify any images that have that codes identified as being child sexual abuse material. So the idea behind this is that any company that knows of sexual images of minors that are being transmitted electronically has to report that, or they think they face like a $300,000 fine. Um, the issue becomes the access that Apple will have, not only to your content on the cloud, but also on your device. And so it's pretty controversial because the question is raised then, if they can flag that type of we all agree, horrible content that needs to be flagged. What else can they flag? And in, in countries like China, where any images or content that you may have in your phone that is political dissident, considered dissident uh, material, could also be identified and traced to you. And could that lead to human rights abuses against political activists? And so just another one of those issues where it sounds like such a great idea, until you start unpacking it, and then you start learning that 97% of all child pornographic content that is reported to the National Center for um, Missing and Exploited Children is coming from outside of the US. So even if those folks are identified as trafficking in this material, what's the US government going to do about it because they're not mm. in this country? But meanwhile, these big tech companies, Apple, have this sort of unprecedented access to content on your phone. So I'll pause there and, and let you um, share your thoughts about this, Vanessa. Yeah, and I agree. I think, uh, you know, first glance is like, oh yes, doing a great thing. I mean, I'm a huge 
huge fan of Thorn, which is a company, mm-hmm. their whole mission is obliterating child pornography and sexual abuse and child tra- uh, trafficking, all those things. However, with this piece of it, there are so many of those rabbit holes, right? That, w- that we talk about yeah. that it can go down. And one of them that we spoke about recently, maybe even yesterday, was the fact that, okay, now Apple has access to the cloud, right? Could they have gone into our files before? Yes. But now that they're putting it out there, they're officially going to have that approval, I guess, to go into your files and kind of scan these images with all the technology now that you have facial recognition and all of that. Like, what does that do to identity theft and using your identity you know, somebody else using your identity to steal money or steal whatever else, right? That piece of it's a little scary. However, again, I go back and I'm like, has that always been a thing? Like we have on our Apple iPhone where, you know, that facial recognition unlocks it for you. So is it kind of something that's already been done all along? Um, But to your point too, you know, there are just other nefarious uses and it's sad to think that that's where our head goes, but it's because like there's precedent out there, right? Like mm-hmm. these things tend to happen that way. So if we could only say, yes, let's just use it for this piece of good. Right. But right. how do you do that? <laughs> well, exactly. And Apple CEO, um, Tim Cook addressed this he, and he said, or Apple released a statement that said, let us be clear. This technology is limited to detecting CSAM, child sexual, sexual abuse materials stored in iCloud. And we will not exceed to any government request to expand it. However, cryptographers are worried, again, particularly about what could happen in a country like China. And it's interesting to me because Apple is the only provider that offers encrypted messaging services in China currently. Google pulled out because they don't want to deal with any restrictions by the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. So now Apple has this huge market there and a very, very, we know, um, controlled communist government. So how how does Apple navigate if they want to continue to sell devices in that country, if they want to continue to cooperate with the Chinese government? And then we know the Chinese government doesn't like dissidents. And we know the Chinese government doesn't like alternate opinions expressed within its borders. And we know there are terrible human abuse human rights abuses going on in in China. So how does Apple ensure that every single one of its devices that it's selling in this massive market that has this technology is not being accessed by the Chinese communist government for, as we say, nefarious purposes or human rights violations. And that's why cryptographers are criticizing this because they say it's really not gonna stop the kinds of content that it's designed to stop, but it could create real vulnerabilities for people who are trying to bring change in countries that are very authoritarian and very controlling. So um, interesting topic for all of us to be thinking about. And I wanted to bring that up today. Yeah, we'll have to continue following that to see how that Mm -hmm. develops. That's really interesting. On a much, much, much lighter note, (laughs) (laughs) I have a fun thing and I found this and I thought I have got to talk about this. Okay. The entertainer in me, there is a website out there called Nestflix, and that's nest like a bird's nest, flix, F-L-I-X. Um, and it's a Netflix for fake movies and shows <laughs> from real movies and shows. So this is so meta. <laughs> indulge me, okay? So basically think of Wikipedia, right? Like people can go into Wikipedia and update it and it's like on anything, right? But this is very niche. And if you have ever seen a TV show in which a character was reading a 
a book made specifically for that character in that show, you know, in that show or movie or watching a movie in a movie that was created specifically for that movie. And I will give an example. Home Alone, right? Home Alone. Most people know Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin, you know. So the one movie the kid watches like in like where, you know, the guy, the gangster guy comes out with the gun and all that. Mm -hmm. That is not a real movie. That was a movie made for the film. (laughs) Basically, if you're ever curious as to any of these little like quirky things, quirky uh, pieces of content within like a larger body, you can look it up on this library of sorts. And all it is, is like a description of what that movie was or what that show was or what that book was with like pictures of it and all of the actors within that movie with the, with the characters' names, not the actors' names. <laughs> so it's so funny. But basically, um, if you want to contribute to Netflix, which there is a temporary pause because the person in charge of this website is overwhelmed with so many submissions and she's trying to catch up. This is what it says. Netflix is a wiki dressed up as a streaming platform that catalogs fictional films and TV shows inside real movies and TV shows. These are the criteria for what gets added. It must be a fictional, so not characters watching a real film and not a recreation of a real film. Must show actual footage, not just mentioned in dialogue or in scene in a poster. Not a news or morning show for now. That might change. As we know, there are fictitious morning shows mm-hmm. and news shows in these TV, you know, in, in sitcoms and in movies. So anyway, just super quirky, super fun. And I had to talk about it because we're in that field. It's, it's like the Russian nesting doll of content, right? Like exactly. Inside exactly. of other things, inside of other things. But it's, it's clever. It is. If you ever wanted to know every character that was in, uh, what is it, on The Office, it was uh, Threat Level Midnight, the movie that Michael made. Uh-huh. <laughs> you yes. can go in, look it up. <laughs> There's a brief synopsis with all of the character names and images wanted to just like end on a, on a fun note, because we talk about some deep stuff on here and this is fun. Yes. I appreciate you bringing the light. I feel like I always bring the, <laughs> the dark side of the web and you're, you're like, but <laughs> there's the world of entertainment. We can all escape and be happy and do fun things, which I love too. <laughs> so um, one thing I, I want to just tease, and then I want to do more research and talk about later on, uh, on another episode, because this is very new and pretty amazing is this idea of open source AI that you and I were talking about earlier and how mm-hmm. Google is investing in open source AI. And, you know, the idea behind it is that instead of learning to code, instead of learning how to write code, uh, the companies that are building and the, and the software developers who are contributing to open source artificial intelligence are using natural language processing so that instead of my me writing a code that tells my computer to build a website, for example, I could just say to my computer, computer, um, put a header image in the center and then add another image on the side and then, you know, 17 lines and blah, blah. And it will write code that tells itself to, to then go ahead and build this website or other things like that. So um, I don't know much about it. It's, it's just been coming out in the news this week, but I think it's pretty intriguing because as somebody who doesn't really code, um, and I know coding is such a big deal. And we talk about that a lot now with uh, so many of our guests, the importance of children learning to code, the, the importance of encouraging girls to get into STEM and, and learning to code. And I think that continues to be true, but it does make me wonder if down the road that will become an obsolete 
um, talent or skill set as well, because we'll be able to, instead of learning to, to talk computer, our computers will learn to understand us. And Codex, which is um, the software right now that, that is being discussed on the internet in this open AI space, actually speaks seven different coding languages. I think seven. Uh, the main one is Python. So our computers are getting smarter, I guess, as yes. you know, it all close on. That's amazing. And that technology I wish was in existence like two months ago when we were working on our <laughs> oh, <yeah>. website. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, in, that's absolutely incredible. And I definitely want to follow that because I, hi, it's just like, it blows my mind what we're capable of. And I, I, I remember watching, um, one of the, you know, how Apple came to be one of those movies, because there's been several iterations of it. One where Ashton Kutcher was playing Steve Jobs and they're in their garage and he's basically saying, you know, yeah, you know, computers, like imagine you not seeing the code and you actually seeing what like the code means instead. And it's kind of mm -hmm. like what this is. So this is the next evolution of that. I feel it's like you're literally speaking to your computer. So it shows you what you want to see. So it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, it is. And it's, and it's so intuitive because it's teaching the computer to speak our language instead of trying to mm -hmm. teach humans to speak the computer's language. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's a little bit controversial, I guess, because there's, because it is open source and there are so many developers who are contributing to it. And then if a company sort of runs with it and profits from it, then how's that, you know, there's some discussion there, but I want to end on a positive note because I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Go contribute something to Netflix. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Tune in to us every week. We have lots of content. We have great episodes with uh, women in technology doing amazing things. We have our professional sesh with our talent expert, Alisa Walters, every Thursday. And um, we're on Twitch. We are on YouTube. We're doing our tech talks. So yeah, we're doing all the things. Tune in and join the conversation, especially if you're on Twitch. Um, you can also email us at sue at micdropcreative.com, Vanessa at micdropcreative.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear about. Yeah. But for now, we're signing off. Bye. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.WeGetRealAF.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.